and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we've got uh, a lot to unpack as we go into the 3 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show here from... A loss that I think is just going to stick for a while when Luca leaves that game four minutes in with a turned ankle. And, and for what it's worth, they're saying it's not serious, that he won't be out long. Right. But when Luca leaves that game with a turned ankle, you're thinking, okay, it's going to be a five-for-five five homestand for the Suns. I mean, the, the Mavs without Luca, and with the way the Suns have been playing lately, and of course... You know that's what we get for assuming because Aiton really, really struggled last night, and and the the Suns in quarters two and three. I mean, everybody the bench struggled really bad. There's a lot to unpack, so let, let's kind of go through it and unpack it kind of piece by piece because there's a lot to talk about. I do want to start though, Gambo, with news that I I think kind of dovetails into something you reported either yesterday or the day before. The Phoenix Suns tweeted out a series of photos of guys getting on the plane to fly to San Antonio for their next game. One of the pictures was of Devin Booker getting on the plane. And Kellen Olsen tweeted out from our own ArizonaSports.com, Devin Booker is back to traveling with the team. He had not been on the road with the team during his time being injured. Mm -hmm. He's getting on that plane. Doesn't mean he's playing against San Antonio, but he's getting on that plane and he's traveling back with the team, which means he is getting very close to getting back. Yeah, I was told, and you heard Chris Haynes reported it on the court last night that he heard Devin Booker is going to come back. I reported it yesterday that what I'm hearing is Booker will be back next week. He will play in one of those games next week. Now, they've got four next week. Um, they do have two home games, Monday and Wednesday, then road games Friday and Saturday. My, what I'm being told is that he will play in one of those games next week. He'll be back. And then Chris Haynes last night on the court said he was hearing the same thing, that Booker will be back next week. Can't tell you which game it's going to be, but yes, him traveling is an indication that taking part in a lot of the team activities, shoot-arounds, things like that, and that, that he will be back. My, my assumption is Wednesday, that he'll be back Wednesday, Maybe it's Monday against Toronto, Wednesday against Atlanta. Friday, they're on, they're on the road against the Celtics if they want to give them a couple extra days. But uh, I, I, I would you know, I would probably guess my best bet would be that it's going to be Wednesday's game. Yeah, and that Friday game against Boston a week from now, that's the start of like a five-game road trip, I think, for them. So I would assume he's back by then and he's with the team for that road trip. Good. Uh, but, I was, but certainly the Suns are going to take their time and be very, very careful with him. So... Um, but but he is apparently going, and they play San Antonio tomorrow. I don't think it would be tomorrow against the Spurs, but he's traveling with the team. So there's that. Um, okay, so more unpacking from last night. Let's talk about Chris Paul for a minute. It was good. Because Chris Paul had himself another good game last yeah. night. And in the three games, uh, our, our tip of the cap to Dave King over at Bright Side of the Sun for running the numbers on this one. In his three games since his return, Chris Paul is averaging about 19.5 points per game. He's shooting 53% from the floor. He's shooting 47% from the three-point line. He's averaging about 11 assists per game. He's averaging about six rebounds per game. Those are all numbers. Now, the three-point percentage is a little high, but that's good Chris Paul numbers right there, right? That's like the good version of Chris that we've all become so accustomed to, right? It is. got to be good news. It is good news, um, but I still don't think, Burns, if I'm being honest, I don't think that any evaluation of Chris 
Anything that he does in a regular season matters as to whether you bring him back next year or not. It's going to be what happens in the playoff games. When you've got to play every other day and you're going through that grind and, you know, teams can, you know, teams aren't playing you, you know, one game and then they don't see you again for three months where they're literally playing you five, six times, seven times in a series and they can make adjustments. To me, Chris has to excel in those situations to come back next year. I can look at him and say, man, he's a terrific regular season player, but is he worth $30 million if he can't excel in the playoffs? That's going to be the key. Now, I think he can. I mean, that's, you know, I, th- I do think he's capable of doing it. He's just got to stay healthy and they got to manage his minutes and, you know, make sure he gets the rest that he needs, whatever you have to do. But I do think the ultimate decision on Chris Paul is not going to be made by what he does in the regular season, but what happens in the playoffs. I don't disagree with that. I guess, like anything, I'm kind of looking at the short term and the long term with Chris Paul. And in the short term, if he can get back to the good version of Chris, how far can you go in the postseason with a good version of Chris? You can like, win I, it all. I, like, you can you win know, it all. I, I, I get what you're saying long term, but short term, yeah. if he's back to being Chris Paul, that really dramatically increases their chances of making a good deep run in the postseason, even as you say, winning it all. So that, that I, I get the long term vision, but I'm really looking at the short term thing here to see what they can do over the next couple of months. Now, in the month of January, the the Suns defense has been among the best in the league since Chris Paul has returned. Their defense has been the best in the league over the last three games or so, so he's obviously made an impact there. Their offensive numbers in January, they have the 30th ranked offense, but since Chris has come back, they've got the 20th ranked offense in the NBA, so it's getting better, but it's still kind of numbers like in all of January, they've got the 30th best offense in the NBA and only the 20th best since Chris has been back. They need Devin Booker back offensively in the worst kind of way. That is still very obvious watching these games. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about that later, but they just don't win a lot of basketball games without Devin Booker. So yeah, you need him back. In the meantime, you get Cam back, you get Chris back. I mean, it it helps. You get DA back. He didn't play very well last night, but he was coming out off of being sick. I know we'll, we'll focus on that too. But to your point about Chris, listen, Chris, a healthy a healthy Chris Paul and Devin Booker playing their best basketball gives the Suns a chance to win a championship. Doesn't mean they will, but that's the only chance they have to win a championship. It doesn't matter what DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson do. Devin Booker and Chris Paul have to be great. If they're great, they can win a championship. If they're not, they can. Those other players are good, and they factor into wins and losses, but in a seven-game series, those two guards, those two ball-dominant guards, they need to be really good to great for the Suns to win. If Chris Paul plays like that, we've seen so many playoff games when he's been great. Not good, but great. Yeah, they can beat anybody. They can beat the Denver Nuggets. They can beat the Clippers. They can beat the Warriors. They can beat anybody if those guys are playing at, at a super high level. All right, we got to talk about DeAndre Ayton, of course. And we've really, I mean, it, it, any conversation we have about the Suns today, I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be at the centerpiece because it was, uh, despite the 20 rebounds and despite the 19 points and 20 rebounds, it was a rough night. And it was a rough night for him on TNT after the game. Here's Charles Barkley talking about DeAndre Ayton and just in general the Suns game last night. For me, the Clippers, I like to see them play bad teams because good teams just don't bad teams. Like, they don't mess around. Like, tonight, if my sons had in a killer instinct, once Luca went out the game, we're like, hey, Luca's gone. Let's finish these guys off. But I'm watching the Clippers tonight. They played, uh, I'm like, man, yeah. they playing the Spurs, and they're up 40. Mm. Uh, but that's what the good team's supposed to do. You beat them teams and split with the really good team. And then when it comes specifically to Aiton, there was a lot of conversation last night. Here's Charles Barkley again talking about it. 
His stats are going to look good. And he, Dummy. and he had a decent game. You can't go that miss that many little bunnies he had. Mm. But the, the two biggest plays of the game were offensive rebounds on free throws. But if you do what you're supposed to do, that won't even matter. I understand that, but I'm saying you can't give up. It's kind of like if giving up a basket on an out-of-bounds play. You should never give up. A coach told me one time, you should never give up a basket on an out-of-bounds play. That's why he said that. He says, listen, dude, if you got five, if five guys can't guard four dudes, we're never going to win anyway. <laughs> <laughs> did you look at DeAndre Eaton's shot chart from last night? I did. <sighs> so I did. He, he went, was short on everything. He went for 20 from the floor. I'm looking at it right now. Gambo, nine of his missed shots were inside the paint. Yeah, and they were all short. Everything was short. There was these little baby hooks, these little baby hook shots that just weren't going in, little baby jump hooks. Like, you get into a little half jump and kind of hook it up, and it wasn't going in. Now, I can, can, can you write this off? And I know everybody wants to bash on DA today. Could you write this off on the fact that the guy was out for a few days because he was sick? And he just didn't have that little extra edge. Because he doesn't usually come up. Sh- DeAndre Ayton is a very efficient offensive player. Very efficient. He's going to make seven out of ten shots most nights because he's shooting from that. Di- this was an oddity. Now, I know everybody's bashing on DA because he didn't play well and he didn't box out. And, you know, he's got to own that. But we're used to DA being efficient. We're used to DA being efficient. We just don't, you know, we, we just expect him to get the ball more, demand the ball more. They got to get him the ball more. Last night he got the ball a ton. Fun, he got the ball plenty. He got the yeah. ball plenty. He just everything was coming up. It was very frustrating to watch, but I think some of it may have had to do with just a lack of you know being at a hundred percent and a lack of energy from being sick. Look, I'm sure this is a this this is why DeAndre Ayton is so polarizing, right? Because yeah, I mean, of, of course the guy's sick. I, I, he, he, that obviously had something to do with it. But how much responsibility you want to give to it? it it's uh, I. It's just, it like reinforces, if you've got doubts about him, if you've got doubts about his motor, a game like last night just reinforces it. Because we've seen nights like last night, maybe not from a shooting standpoint, but from an energy output, from a defensive output, we've seen nights like last night out of DeAndre Eaton when he wasn't recovering from an illness, when he wasn't sick, when he wasn't battling that, and he's just been playing kind of slow out there and and not energized out there. And so am I going to blame it all on him being sick? It's obviously played a role in it, but it's it's just a it just leads into this kind of another frustrating night for DeAndre Eaton because it just doesn't have that motor turned up to full the whole time, and it, it gets it gets frustrating. No, and those guys were extremely frustrated. Shaq said, "Yeah, he's a good player, but do you want to be good? Or do you want to be great?" He said, "You can't demand the ball and then go six for twenty. No excuses for missing no shots. He's not double or triple teamed. It's one on one. You don't double yeah. t- teamed DeAndre Eaton. You don't triple team DeAndre Eaton. You expect him to dominate offensively because he's bigger than everybody." else. So, Sean Payton had his visit to the Valley yesterday. Is he already making friends in a different city? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Sean Payton. Update. 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 Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I was just, um, I'm broadcasting from home again today. I was just talking with Eric Ruby down the line uh, during the commercial break. And, and he, he kind of, I think he spoke for the Valley when he said that right now we're all just kind of waiting on this Peyton thing. Like, what's, is it going to happen? Is it not? Is it, are the Cardinals going to go a different direction? Do they actually have a shot 
at this, given kind of the landscape of what's going on around them? Is Peyton going to go back to Fox and just wait a year to see what else happens? Or do the Cardinals have a legitimate shot at this? And and I don't know, Gamble, for, it feels like we've been in this position of waiting to see if something like this is going to happen a lot these last few years, whether it was Kevin Durant, or whether it was, I mean, even like the LaMarcus Aldridge pursuit all those years oh, ago. Yeah, remember, remember that? Right, remember that? Or Peyton Manning 10 years ago. It does kind of feel like we're all, is it going to happen? Is it not? Is it going to, it feels like we're all in that waiting place right now. Well, I just wonder, remember what Dan Quinn did? He pulled his name out of consideration for jobs going back to Dallas. I wonder if Sean Payton isn't going to get a job if he just decides to just come out and say, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to go back to Fox. This is what's best for me and my family right now. Or does everybody just hire anybody and he ends up back at Fox. You know, a name like that that's gone through the interview process, if he doesn't get a job, it is going to look a little strange. Like, nothing against any of the other candidates. This guy's won a Super Bowl. Okay? Like, he's won a Super Bowl. You heard what Larry Fitzgerald said about him on Bickley and Murata. It's a no-brainer. But if nobody's going to hire him, I wonder if it's better for him just to pull his name out and say, you know, at this point, I think it's best for us. You know, we'll reevaluate after the year because there will be different jobs that are open next year. There might be better jobs that are open next year. The Cowboys job may be open. The Chargers job may be open. There could be several high profile jobs that are better suited for him than the crop of jobs that were available this year. Potentially, and the the compensation, at least in terms of the Saints, could go down a year from now because he's just got one year left on his deal, and and there's not as much leverage for the Saints to be able to demand that kind of stuff. I do know I tease this, and and I just want to bring this up. Uh, Former NFL quarterback Babe Loffenberg, remember him? I don't know if you remember him. The Cowboys. Yeah, you might remember. How do you not remember Babe Loffenberg? He just Babe Loffenberg just tweeted out a picture about three hours ago of him, Jason Garrett, and Sean. Peyton, and apparently they're all in Dallas having dinner or something together. So, for what it's worth, Sean Payton is in Dallas. People are like wondering, or at least people around the station are wondering, is Sean in Dallas? Is he visiting Kyler while he's there? Is he talking to Kyler while he's there? I have no idea. I don't know if any of that's happening, but since we're all just pining for the latest on Sean Payton, I thought I'd pass that along and see if it sticks at all. So, he was Um, here for eight hours last night, and then he took off and he went to Dallas. Yes, apparently that's the situation. Apparently that's the case. Okay. Does that mean anything? I means they didn't hire him. <laughs> it means that they didn't, they like, they got done with an interview and they said, okay, bye, that's take true. care. That's you know, true. It's, yeah. It's, he left town. All right. He's not yeah. still here. You know what it means? It means he's not here anymore. Yeah, he's not in Arizona anymore. He's somewhere else. A, go out on a date and the date's over. Okay, goodbye. Take care. It's like, you, do you invite me in? Do you want to have a nightcap? Do you. Uh, no, just take care. See you. Thanks. Uh, that's funny. That's really funny. Peter Schrager was on the Bill Simmons podcast, the uh, Good Morning Football co-host, and he was asked by Bill what he's hearing about the Arizona coaching opening, and he threw a big old bucket of cold water on the Sean Payton idea. Arizona is the one that's interesting. Sean Payton's meeting with them today. I don't think that's no way. the fit. Stop I don't it. see it. I think Come Peyton's on. probably coming back to Fox, to be honest, and it's not because there were no jobs available. I think that he was being picky also, and he's got a certain price that maybe these owners weren't He just has to wait a year, and then he can be the L.A. Chargers head coach. There'll be more out. jobs. There'll be more jobs one, available. Got to get one of those five quarterbacks. 
Um, yeah. So Arizona, though, I'm hearing, and this might change by the time it is. I'm hearing either you know the the two names that are leading the way are, are Dan Quinn is getting a lot of buzz, and then the other one was Brian Flores for a while. But the Flores Kyler match is a very interesting one. Also, oh, Flores is a no nonsense no nonsense guy. That would be a rude awakening uh, for Kyler Murray. The only thing that would be more fun than Flores Kyler is Aaron Rodgers becoming a Jet. Oh, I hope it happens. (laughs) Now, obviously, that was yesterday, and obviously things have changed a little bit. Dan Quinn is going back to Dallas, but but he kind of throws a little bit of cold water on the Sean Payton thing. And then he brings up the Brian Flores-Kyler Murray connection. Would Brian Flores be too much of a rude awakening for Kyler Murray, or at this point, do we not care about that? I don't think we care about that. Do you? No. No, I, I, I think Brian Flores would be a cup of hot coffee for Kyler Murray. He'd be like, whoa, this is different, right? This is completely different than what I'm used to as a head coach. I, at this point, I don't know if that would be – I don't think that would be a bad thing for Kyler to have that kind of wake-up call. It just it might be a really hardcore wake up call for Kyler to have Brian Flores as his coach. Yeah, listen. Bottom line here, like you're going to go through different coaches throughout your career. I mean, unless you want to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're very likely going to go through two, three, four, five coaches in your lifetime as a player. You know, a lot of these coaches, like, okay, take Larry Fitzgerald, for instance. How many coaches did Larry Fitzgerald have in his tenure with the, with the Arizona Cardinals? Oh, my goodness. What I mean, think had. about it. How many coaches did he have? He had Denny. He had... Wiz. Um, Wiz. Arians. He had, he had Arians. Wilkes. He had Wilkes. And he had... Like, okay, right? that, that's the norm. Like, you know, you're going to play for a long time in the, in the NFL, one team or not. You're going to go through all these different coaches. Some are going to be, you know, some are going to be more players coaches and other are going to be hard on you. So you got you adjust, you adapt. I mean, you're not, Kylo's not going to pick and choose his coaches. He may like a certain style, but that's, that's not going to be a way it is. You, I mean, you take a player like Fit, man, all that time, one, one, different coaches all the time. You never had the same coach for a real long period of time. Let me play you this sound real quick. This is Ian Rappaport, NFL insider from the NFL Network. He was on Pat McAfee's show, and he was asked, when do you think the next coaching hire could happen? And here's what he said. Hopefully today. I don't really know, though. I mean, I know. I don't really know. Um, I know Arizona is is doing some kind of resetting. So Arizona right now will either work to hire Sean Payton or bring in one of those other uh, people, one of the other candidates for a second interview. If they bring in someone for a second interview, I would say that person probably becomes the favorite or a good chance he gets a job. If they hire Sean Payton, then that's that. If they hire Who's the second? Then that's that. Who's that? Their, their second interview choices would be Aaron Glenn, okay. uh, Brian Flores, or Ejiro Ever. Now, note, he didn't say that they've scheduled second interviews. He's just saying if it's not Sean Payton, then they would reset and they would have to schedule second interviews and those are the guys that are kind of left among those that they you know that they've talked to at least once already so it's unless you unless there's some dark horse coming out of these playoff games that we don't know about yeah I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if that you, you may, if you get to the point where you interviewed all these people and you, you're not you're not in love with any of them, then 
you know, look at look at the four teams that have played in the playoffs today and figure if there's a coach on that uh, a coach on one of those teams that you may want to hire. Yeah, but it does certainly seem like circling back to D'Amico Ryan's and getting another interview with him, that doesn't seem like that's going to happen because it's all the reports are that it's either going to be Houston or Denver. There was a report today that it was going to not that it was going to be Houston, but that was kind of the expectation. Then there was kind of a backlash from that with some reporting. No, 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 Denver's still in it for D'Amico Ryan's. It doesn't sound like D'Amico's going to give the Cardinals another chance to to talk to him about the job because he's got two potential jobs lined up or, or you know at least a place that he could go. So I don't know. If they don't get Sean Payton, is a reset in order? Is another round of interviews in order? Is a new name or two in order? Or do they go back and just have second interviews with the three guys that they've already spoken to? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you might want to open it up because if, you, if you're not, again, if you're not blown away by any of those three guys, open it open it up. And you know The, the Broncos thing is fascinating. Because didn't they fire their coach with like two, three weeks left in the season? Sure did. You, you sure did. Of, you should have been ahead of the curve. Should have been way ahead of the curve. You had all that extra hey. time and you don't have a coach right now? Come on. Amen to that, brother. It's like, on. man, you, this is the whole reason why you fired the right. guy with three weeks to go. Right. Was so you could get ahead of everybody. And what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on this Friday... In the previous trade deadline history, how have the Phoenix Suns behaved? And what can we learn from that in terms of what to expect for this trade deadline for the Suns? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Jay, nine nine. Uh, I miss him. I miss him. There ain't no secret about it. You know, uh, it's one of our brothers. You know what I mean. I I came here with Jay. <laughs> you know, so um, hope you good. Nine nine, you out there? I hope you good. But you know, it's it's a business. It's the league. You know, it is what it is. I wasn't going to kick off the segment with the Chris Paul comment last night about Jay Crowder Gambo, but after hearing it in the update, I thought you know what? Let's let's kind of dovetail right into our conversation here about what the Suns are going to do with the trade deadline in a couple of weeks. But let's kick it off with what Chris had to say last night about Jay Crowder. No surprise, I, I think that Chris would would say good things about Jay Crowder, but certainly it, it lends itself to just how complicated the situation is. You were watching the TNT broadcast last night, so was I. The play-by-play announcer at one point even sort of acknowledged just how unusual all of this is that it has yet to be resolved by now. I, I can't remember exactly what point he said it, but he made that mention during the game and it really caught my ears. Fascinating. It was just absolutely fascinating. I mean, the last time he played a game was Game 7 against the Mavericks. That was so long ago. Like, I mean, how many May. games? How many? So the May Suns have played May of 2022. May Was that the last day of the game? May of 2022? It was May 14th or 15th of 2022. I mean, over right. eight months now, he hasn't played a basketball game. And don't tell me playing pickup games at the Y is going to have him ready for the NBA. Whoever gets him, whatever playoff team gets him, there's going to be a 10-game period where he's just going to have to get in shape and, you know, a little couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there, and just work to get accustomed. I bet he'll be fine for the playoffs if you trade for him at the deadline. I, but I don't know that he's going to be able to like have this an immediate impact on a team. I think if you're trading for Jay Crowder, you're trading for Jay Crowder saying, look, I need you to be ready for, for the playoffs. Whatever it takes. you got 30 games now to get in the best shape you could get in so you can help us in the playoffs. Because not having played a real basketball game for eight months, that's a long, long time. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I I agree, and I, I think you're right too about him being ready for the playoffs. But I would be nervous about you know just how long it's going to take to ramp him up for the playoffs if I'm a team trading for him. It's just we get look, we've been talking about Jay feels like nonstop since September, since media day when he didn't show up, and we expected that they were going to trade him sometime in the next week or two. Man, that feels like forever ago. It was reassuring to hear a national voice last night on the TNT broadcast just remind everybody how unusual it is that Jay Crowder is still on the team but away from the team. And that here it is late January and this hasn't been resolved yet because we we keep talking about it and it, it's damn unusual. It's really peculiar. It's odd that it's still going on and I'm just glad that we're not the only ones who think that. That everybody else is like what the hell's going on? Why is Jay Crowder still on this roster? What, what exactly has happened here and that there are no definitive concrete answers? Now you and I both expect that on February 9th, when the trade deadline comes around, that's two weeks from yesterday, that Jay Crowder will not be a member of the Phoenix Suns. That somehow, some way, this will get done one way or another. There was, I thought, and maybe it's just because I agree with it 100%, so I'm kind of biased, but on Brightside today, I thought there was a really good story about how basically for the last three trade deadlines, James Jones has been really set in his ways for not making major changes at the deadline, really sticking with and trusting with his core to get them through and not feeling like he needs to add much or do anything really different and trusting that core. Brightside was, and it was Dave King, their lead writer, basically imploring James, you just can't go, you just can't do the continuity thing again this time around. You've got to do something to mix up the equation a little bit. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that was kind of the premise of the article. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because there's no definitive thing here. Look, here's what I want to do. I want to get everybody back healthy and I want to run with that. I want to make a small change uh, here or there with the with the roster, but that's it. I don't want to do anything too big and I don't want to do anything too small. Um, or, you know, I don't want to do anything, let me put it this way. I don't want to do anything too big where I trade out key players, but I also want to do anything too big where I trade a lot of assets for like a big player. I think your best bet is to run it back with the guys you have, get everybody healthy and try to make the most out of it before you do anything drastic. See how this team does. Then get to the offseason, and if the team fails, well, then you've got to make your decisions on Chris and your future draft picks and you know whether you want to go all in on a player or not. There are a lot of teams that are waiting for that. I told you yesterday the Dallas Mavericks are very much waiting for the offseason to try to go after a big fish so they could get a player to play with Luka. They're not going to do anything drastic at the deadline. I even told you they could possibly trade Dorian Finney-Smith if somebody wants him. But I do think that the best thing to do is to try to go, you know, get healthy and see what this team could do and then make decisions after the playoffs are over. I get the argument for that. I think the counter argument is that even at their very best, this group, this core group of Chris Paul and Booker and Bridges and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton and Campaign, they've been good. They've been really, really good, but even at their very best, they weren't able to win a championship. They came close, but they weren't able to win a championship. And that and that tweaks have been needed to be made to this core group throughout the last couple of years, but kind of that trust and that faith and no, 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 this is the group that's going to get it done. I know it is. When even at their best, they couldn't get it done, that maybe by now there should have been a realization of it's time to try something different. It's try. It's time to add to this core group that we've got here to see if that's what can put us over the top because we just 
haven't quite been able to get over the top with the core group that we've got here. Right, right, right. But I give it one more shot. I give it a third time might be the charm. I give it one more shot. And the reason why is that I don't think there's an overwhelming favorite in the West, as we've talked about over the last couple of days. I mean, there are. I, I don't rule out Golden State. They're very capable of winning it all. I like Denver with what they've done. I'd like to see what the Clippers do at the deadline. New Orleans is very talented. We'll see. Memphis is extremely talented, but very young. I don't I don't know that there's a clear-cut favorite. I mean, I think if I told you, Bernsey, I'll give you one team of the field, you'll take the field. If I said I'll give you two teams of the field, you might still take the field in the, in the West. You just don't know. I mean, I, I can say take the field. You'll say, okay, give me Denver and Golden State. Well, I mean, it's very possible that one of those teams doesn't win the West. That's why I don't really, you know, that some somebody may want to go all in, but what is all in? I mean, is Kevin Durant available? No. So what can you do at this point? Yeah, and, and if I knew the answer to that question, if I knew exactly what would be available, I'd, I'd give you an answer. I, I saw a story today, and I thought of you the second I saw it. I didn't send it to you, so I don't mean to spring it on you. But apparently there's a report circulating that the New York Knicks went all in to try to get OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors, and they offered like multiple first-round picks, and the Raptors said no. So no, we want more, and it's it. So at some point, like you, you, you can only shop at the store when the merchandise is available, right? right like right. And if the and if, yeah. the, if the if there's nothing on the shelves, you can't go buy something. You can't go get what you need if it's not at the store. And and could this trade deadline be a situation where there's just not that much of the store? Yes, I would acknowledge that. I just know generally the last few years of the trade deadline, the Suns have been relatively passive, and I sure would love to see them add a piece. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, they're greasing the poles in Philadelphia. Apparently they're expecting some championships or something there. We'll preview the NFC title game next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Philadelphia Police Department Gambo is greasing all traffic and light poles in anticipation of Sunday's NFC title game. Just in case the Eagles win and some fan wants to climb a traffic pole or a light pole to celebrate... They'll have a rude awakening for them. It'll be greased. What kind of world do we live in where you can't climb a light pole to celebrate your team's championship going to the Super Bowl? You ever climb a light pole, Gambo? Come on. You ever ever, ever done that? People have some fun. No, but it's a free country. (laughs) You want to climb a light pole? Climb a light pole. (laughs) That's the. I don't really like heights. That is the best, most you know me either. I, I, I'm actually fine with heights. It's falling. I'm afraid of. Like if I I can go up in the tallest building in the world, and if I know I'm not going to fall out, I don't care. But you put me on a ten foot ladder, right? And I and I look down. I'm like, oh god, I'm going to fall. So yeah. it's that's the difference for me. Chelsea, um, I mean, we were in Switzerland. She was like, oh, the tallest suspension bridge in Europe is in Switzerland. Let's go on. I was scared. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm on top of that thing, and it, the wind's blowing, and it's snowing. I'm like, what am I doing on this thing? Get me off yeah, of this. See, you were in suspense, that was, Gambo, the whole like, time? Get me, like, get me out of here. Like, what am I doing here? Okay, uh, I'm great. I get, I get to say today, and I was on the tallest suspension bridge. Who cares? I could have yeah. been hurt. 
Awesome. Which normally I wouldn't care about, but if I thought I was going to fall off of it, and it sounds like in the weather conditions you did, I wouldn't want to be on that thing. But if it's fine, you know, if it's a clear day, sure, let's go. Let's do it. Right. Um, I don't like heights. It, that, that's what they do in Philadelphia when they get ready for championships or to celebrate. That's right. They, they grease traffic and light poles just to discourage people from climbing them. Phillies feeling awfully good about themselves, and rightfully so. They've had the best team in the NFC all year long as we preview now the NFC title game here on Burns and Gambo. Um, and uh, if you missed it earlier, this is a game I've officially changed my vote on. I was San Francisco all week long. I've changed it to Philadelphia. Uh, I think the Eagles do win this game. I think this is the game that overwhelms Brock Purdy, where it just becomes too much. Uh, no rookie quarterback. There have been rookie quarterbacks to make it this far, Gambo. There's never been one to get past this point, right, no, in the no. championship game. I think there's a reason for that. And I, and I think Philly's defense, and just the fact that Philly's offense is going to be able to score enough to put pressure on San Francisco's offense to keep up, I think that's going to be a real problem for Brock Purdy in this game. I, I think the problem for Purdy is that you've never – this he's done a great job, but he's never played a game that, that wasn't out west. Five of his wins are home games. The other two were out west. They beat, I think, Las Vegas and Seattle on the road. You're going to go into that environment in Philly? You haven't played out east. You haven't played in the cold. You haven't, like, that's a different animal than playing against the Raiders or Seattle on the road. Um, the majority, like, he's good. I, 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 I hope the kid does well. You know, I don't, I, I like him. I hope he does well. I can't root for Philly, so I'll, I'll root for Brock Purdy. I hope he wins the football game. That team's got four guys with 10 or more sacks. They pressure the quarterback unlike anybody else in this league. They're going to get after him. They're going to rattle him. Um, and they're going to make him struggle. And I just don't think he's going to be comfortable all game long with what they bring at him. No, and I agree with you, but I just think the flip side of that coin, too, is that, like last week, Dallas's defense pressured Purdy, made him uncomfortable, they kind of got off to a slow start, nothing happened right away, but because Dallas's offense wasn't really able to put any kind of pressure on San Francisco, it allowed Brock Purdy time to get a little more comfortable, to, to kind of find his flow and find his rhythm and figure out what worked. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to give him that opportunity. Uh, and I know San Francisco's got a great defense, too, so I don't want to make it sound like that, that Philly's just going to do whatever they want against San Francisco. It's not going to be like that. But I think Philly's offense is going to be able to do more against San Francisco's defense than Dallas did. And that, in turn, is going to put more pressure on Purdy to figure it out quicker, right? To deal with the pressure quicker. To keep up with Philly on the scoreboard a little bit. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that. I just think Philly's offense is so much better and more consistent than Dallas's that that is going to apply just as much pressure on Brock Purdy as Philly's defense is. Because he's going to feel like he has to keep up with Yeah, that. and I, I think, you know, the Eagles, you know, obviously they had they had the bye. They got that extra week to rest and get healthy. They're a very healthy team right now. Then they had the, re- the extra rest after they had played on, like, Saturday. So, I, I and I think that there's just a big difference in the, 
quarterback play here, as good as Purdy's yes. been, I just think Fields and the, the crazy amount of design runs for Fields is, is mind-boggling when you when you look at it. So for Hurts, for, for Hurts, I'm saying the Fields. I always say I always say Fields. Why do I do for Hurts? For Jalen Hurts, um, yeah. I just for some reason I think of the same guy when I think of those two. For Jalen Hurts, I mean it's the same it's the same type of thing. I mean they do a really good job of getting him out, design runs, making him run, uh, and that defense with all the pressure they have and the 75 sacks. I just think it's a tough combination. I think the Eagles are the 49ers are great defensively. The Eagles are very good defensively too. So there's no big advantage for the for the 49ers as good as their defense is because Philly's defense is great. Yeah, and I and I think the other thing too is that the the run game for Philly might kind of tie up a little bit San Francisco's rushers, edge rushers a little bit, and might give them more to think about. Hurts just such, does such a good job running the football. They base so much of what they do around his ability to run and, and how they can disguise things and how they can do things. Christian McCaffrey's calf injury, they say it's not going to be a problem, and, and obviously the guy plays through a lot, but that might limit his effectiveness somewhat, and, and he and Elijah Mitchell are both a little banged up. I, I, I thought all week long that San Francisco was the more complete team. And I still think they are the more complete team. But I think, unlike the AFC game, that benefits the Bengals and they'll be able to be the more complete game against Kansas City. Where I think in this game, because San Francisco is so much better at like two or three different parts, especially the quarterback position, I just, they don't have to be the more complete team in this game. They, they have got the, team that's got the better players at the most important positions and I think that's what allows them to rise above I don't, They have not faced a running, a running quarterback like this either. Now no. week one against Chicago, now I can mention Justin Fields, there was that but they haven't faced a running quarterback you may say, oh they played the Cardinals twice, well they did they didn't play Kyler Murray at the time so they didn't go up against Kyler Murray this year, Kyler did not play San Francisco this season, so the two games that the Cardinals played the 49ers were without Kyler Murray. So they have not faced a running quarterback and they're going to see that in Hurts. His running game is unbelievable. He's such a weapon especially inside the red zone. So that's going to be something to look at too. How do the 49ers, as good as their defense is, how do they contend against a running quarterback? Look what they did to Daniel Jones and they shut him down. Like, So I think that that's a big weapon too for Philadelphia and we'll see if San Francisco has an answer for it. Would you be shocked if San Francisco wins this game? No. Okay. Me, me either. I just, I, 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 you've been on Philly all week, so I just wanted to know how on Philly you were. You know, like because I wouldn't be shocked if either team wins. I'm picking Philly too now, um, but I wouldn't. There's, uh, like I said this an hour ago. There is not an outcome from this weekend that I would be shocked by. There is not a matchup for Super Bowl Fifty Seven where I would say, "Man, I never thought that was going to happen." I could see either team winning either game. I think they're that close. If Purdy wins this game, you don't have to bring back Garoppolo, and you could trade Fields right now. Uh, I mean, you could trade um, Trey Lance right now if Purdy wins this game. This is a much different... Again, he's played in seven games. Five of them have been at home. Two of them on the road against Seattle and Vegas. This This game is much different. It's a much different game. I would agree. I would agree. Nickelback. 
heading out on the Get Rolling Tour. It's coming to the Footprint Center on July 12th. Tickets are on sale. You can win a pair now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. We are at the turn of the Burns and Gambo Show, the 4 o'clock reset. And with that, we'll give you the latest reports on the Cardinals coaching front. It is coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.